And welcome once again to another Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. Well, it's nice to have you here, John. Today is, uh, well, it's, it's the day before what we call Pentecost in the church. And so we thought, you know, that's a great time to uh, discuss this uh, major event in the life of the church. Maybe you could get us started uh, in terms of the, uh, the origin of this whole celebration. We meet the Holy Spirit in the second verse of the book of Genesis. Now, we know that uh, as Christians, we interpret this as the third person of the Trinity. And um, as we look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And what is interesting, Dan, to me, uh, to make this observation, that when we turn in our Bibles to the very end, we have another reference to the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 22 of Revelation, verse 17, it says this, The Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And so I would say that Holy Scripture uh, introduces the Holy Spirit at the beginning And the last word, practically, we find in the Bible is the word of the Holy Spirit Mm. uh, saying, come. And so there is a kind of parentheses there. Everything is enclosed from the beginning and the end. Now, I realize the Scripture says Jesus is the beginning and the end. But, of course, that has to be coterminous with the Holy Spirit. Mm. He, too, is the beginning and the end, and in this case... Uh, the divine persons cannot be separated. In fact, in one place in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. Mm. With Pentecost, uh, there's an event that happens in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit um, displays his power. Something very significant happens in the life of the church. Uh, But before we get to that point, we do see the Spirit, as you've pointed out, the Holy Spirit active um, with his people, certainly even in the Old Testament, and yet I suppose there's some differences also. There are some differences, but a lot of Christians only associate the Holy Spirit and his uh, ministry in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But it's true that in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, while you don't find the phrase Holy Spirit over and over, I think Mm -hmm. only two or three times at most, But the Spirit is referred to in other ways, such as the Spirit of God or some other way. But it is true that the Lord is working through his covenant people through the Spirit. Right. And before he even works with his covenant people, he is the the one who's created all things. And as a matter of fact, he is the Spirit of life. Life originates with God's Spirit. We Mm -hmm. see it in Genesis. But also every life, every life is a product, if you will, of the creative spirit of God. And so we find the Holy Spirit very much in the Old Testament, and there's some extraordinary uh, informative verses 
in the Psalms concerning David in particular. Psalm 51 is rich uh, in understanding the work and role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. This Holy Spirit, um, when Christ comes to earth, he's here, what, he, he's here in public ministry for three years. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about how the people felt at that time, and uh, he gets close to the end of his time ministering here on earth. He's, um, he's crucified, he, he dies, he's buried, then he rises again. And then he ministers for a short period of time before he ascends to heaven. Mm-hmm. It must have been quite a shock to those who became friends of Jesus, thinking, "Oh no, he's not going to be here anymore." Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. just I was mm-hmm. der- deriving comfort from this man, and now he's gone, and he has something to say to his followers. Yes, in, the, in that context, maybe you could. Well, he help says, us "If there. I go not away, you will not receive the Spirit of Comforter." Yeah. He, in fact, anticipates Pentecost in the book of John where he breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And in that context, he has given the Great Commission. The question is, how are they going to carry it out? Well, they could carry it out with Jesus, but what if he goes away? Right. It says he breathed on them and he said, proliptically, that's a nice word, <laughs> proliptically he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, he anticipated their objection that they couldn't carry on the work of the ministry without his presence, but he says, I will give you another comforter who will be present with you, and mm. he will give you power. So uh, before Pentecost, Jesus already anticipates uh, that event uh, in his own earthly ministry, even before his death. So is it safe to say that... Um as we come from Old Testament to New Testament to the time of Christ to Pentecost, that um, increasingly in the life of the believer, uh, post-Pentecost, there's this extra sense of the presence of God because the Holy Spirit has been given. Is that contrasted? I'm just throwing it out as a question. In Old Testament times, it seems the Spirit would come on. And go. Yeah, but now there is a change. There is, and it has to do with this. Part of it is due to revelation. We know more of the work of the Spirit in the New Covenant than we do in the Old. But we should not make the mistake that since the Scriptures do not speak in the same way of the Spirit in the Old Testament as it does in the New, that the Old Testament means that the Spirit is absent. Yes. Because the Scripture does say, not by my might nor by my power, but by my Spirit, thus saith the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. But there was a a lack of knowledge, if you will, uh, about the complete work of the Spirit compared to what we have today. We have the fullness. There, it is true that uh, the Spirit was working, and I'm not sure that David always understood why, except that he knew that if God withdrew his Holy Spirit from him, he could no longer be king. (laughs) That's why he's praying in Psalm 51, O Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He knew that his anointing to be king was related to the power of God in his life through the Spirit. Good Good point. Well, hold that thought. Today we're talking about Pentecost here on A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me is Dr. John Vance. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Come as a wisdom to children. Come as new sight to the blind. 
come, Lord, as strength to my weakness. Take me, soul, body, and mind. Come as a rest to the weary. Come as a balm for the sore. Come as a dew to my dryness. Fill me with joy evermore. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today we're talking about Pentecost. It's a really a wonderful time in the church. Um, before we get started much further, I wanted to say that I really enjoy these seasons of the church. You know, it wasn't that long ago it was Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then we come through uh, Easter, and what a joyous celebration. And uh, this, too, is just a wonderful thing when you consider that um, last week we were thinking very closely about Christ ascending into heaven, and uh, this coming week, this coming Lord's Day, uh, Pentecost. I'm thinking of a verse of Scripture here where um, Jesus is is talking to his disciples, and he's reassuring them, and this comes from the Gospel of John. Um, he says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, mm-hmm. neither let it be afraid. If there's anything that the world is looking for today, if we were to be honest with each other, uh, everyone, uh, it would be the peace that God alone can bring to the to the savage heart, to the, to the broken heart, this peace of the Holy Spirit. That That is one of the great promises in the Bible, right there, what you just read, it it has given consolation uh, to so many at the time of death, let's say, for instance, or mm-hmm. at the time of needing of equipment to serve the Lord, or at the time of great turmoil in a person's life. There is a special peace that comes from God through 
the gift of of God's Holy Spirit, and it is something that is our strength. Mm. Our joy and our peace become our strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. He also has another name, and I'm thinking about this um, earlier in the text. He is called the Spirit of Truth, Mm -hmm. and I can't resist it that we live in a time when... uh, it's hard to find truth anymore. Well, there are two spirits. There's a spirit of falsehood, and there's a spirit of truth. There's a spirit of Antichrist, and yeah. there's a spirit of Christ. So people should not forget that. They're really at odds with each other. So as we're frustrated in trying to find out what is the truth here, I guess we shouldn't be so surprised, because if a person doesn't have the spirit of Christ or the, the Holy Spirit... Um, In the Old Testament... The Spirit of God uh, is is spoken of in reference to two things. One, life, as we quoted from that verse in Genesis. But also in the book of Judges and other places, he is the Spirit of wisdom. Hmm. And apart from him, there is a kind of wisdom that is missing in every person, no matter how wise they are. You know, wisdom is knowing how to live life as much as it is knowledge. It's knowing how to live and apart from the Spirit of God, even the most mm. intellectual person is, if you will, at sea, uh, morally, there's a kind of darkness. Mm. There's a kind of uh, reason can take us so far, but obviously most people, even the very, very gifted uh, in this area, don't always use their reason. They go on their sentiments, feelings, and what they really oh, want yes. to underneath. And it's the Spirit of God that really gives uh, heavenly wisdom that enables mm. us to live and to serve Christ in the modern world. I think there's another aspect to Pentecost, and you alluded to it at the very beginning of our discussion today, and it's tied to missions. Um, It seems to me that Pentecost is such a huge event. In my mind, it's analogous to an atom bomb going off in history when God um, folds in all sorts of people, not just a bloodline anymore, Mm -hmm. and he sends his spirit. He empowers people to boldly witness for him, and from that point onward, um, what was a a little motley band of 12 men or so uh, becomes thousands, which becomes millions, and so the gospel of Christ has been spreading since that time. Yes, uh, the Great Commission, of course, is in many respects the work and mission of the Spirit. Yeah. It's, and the Spirit here is the seeking, searching love of God yeah, Yes, for every person. And uh, he knocks on the door uh, in the name of Christ. And uh, that wonderful passage about Lydia there where she's down by the riverside. They have a synagogue session going. And... Uh, uh, Paul and Luke and Timothy and Silas show up, and um, the word to them uh, at that point is, it says Paul's preaching, and it says wonderfully, and this is something that should never be forgot, and the Spirit of God opened Lydia's heart. Oh, amen. What a wonderful thing. Oh, amen. That lets us know that uh, God is still working through his spirit to seek and to save the lost. I'm so glad you said that because uh, conversion to Christ is is more than just mere making up your mind about something or being intellectually convinced. That's there. 
And we don't put that down as, as unimportant, but it's so much more. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. <laughs> the Spirit opens the heart up to, to hear the voice of their good shepherd. It is a miracle. It's like it's like once I was blind, now I see, or it's like you were dead, and all of a sudden you're alive. There is something very significant about the new birth, and it uh, happens by the Spirit. That's an old country preacher in Kentucky once said, and uh, his name was Sam Ketchum, and he was popular maybe 50, 60 years ago. I heard some of his sermons on tape. Mm-hmm. down in that part of the world in the south, and he says, yes, uh, how dead are you spiritually? Well, so dead that you you can't wiggle your spiritual little finger. <laughs> but who quickens you and gives you life? Just as he gave the original creation life, he gives you the new creation oh, well put. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this Holy Spirit uh, certainly empowered Peter um, on the day of Pentecost as he was preaching, He preached a very powerful sermon there in Acts chapter 2, and part of it, just I'll quote just a little bit of it from the scripture here. It says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the New Testament promise. There are two two promises uh, in the New Testament. Um, That is, in the New Covenant, you will receive the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit uh, is why Jesus died, that we might receive mm. uh, his good gifts in that way. I was just struck by the simple fact of Peter preaching, and right before our eyes we see the work of the Holy Spirit being carried out in his life mm-hmm. and empowering him to preach and, and and taking the very words of God and bringing it home to dead hearts, bringing them alive, giving them uh, the want, the will, the desire to seek Christ, to repent, and follow through in Christian baptism. Well, in that, that case, it's 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 a wonderful thing too, because the Spirit, Jesus says, when He sends Him, sends Him, and He is a Him, not a thing, mm-hmm. that He will convict the world uh, of judgment and of sin. Those mm. two things. There's a third thing, and uh, of sin. And and praise be to God that no matter how dark things may seem, I am still convinced that the Holy Spirit is doing his perfect work in our midst, and he does convict yeah. people of sin and of judgment. And I know that even on the hearts maybe deeply buried at this point of the most virulent atheist, there is that sense of sin and of judgment. There is. No question. And we hope that those who do not know the Lord will come to know him. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. You couldn't wish a better thing to your neighbor than, than that. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> I was looking up some of, the, some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. And you mentioned one uh, a minute ago that he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. A few more, and they come straight from Scripture. Uh, he guides us into all truth. Uh, he regenerates us. He glorifies and testifies of Christ. That is so key to me, that um, 
a person who's walking by the Holy Spirit will not bring glory to himself. He testifies of me, <laughs> says Jesus, and not of you. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Uh, the, the, the test of where the Spirit of God is, of course, is that is his role, and uh, let me put it, his commission to testify of Jesus. Yeah. He's a silent person in one sense of the Trinity. I know what you mean. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> is the, if you will, the tabernacle where we meet. And the Spirit is always exalting Jesus, and where Jesus yes. is denied, you can be sure that the Holy Spirit is being resisted. Mm-hmm. That other verse, though, is key, crucial one, too. He shall guide you into all truth. Yeah, John sixteen thirteen. I think you've been thinking about that. Maybe you can comment <laughs> on that yourself. Well, um, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but... Turns out I have to preach a sermon tomorrow. <laughs> That's what I know. You want me to comment? I don't know what you've got. No, no, no. I, I, uh, I'll leave most of my thoughts until tomorrow. But I have been thinking about the Holy Spirit as being the Spirit of Truth, and in our society and in all of life, um, there is the antithesis, and we spoke of that before too, um, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, and people will thwart the truth of Christ, and, you know, that's like ultimate truth. And the kingdom of man will actually do many good things. I was thinking about that, too. You know, within those who don't know Christ, it's not that everything they do is, humanly speaking, bad. Um, People will work on in hospitals, rescue squads. They'll build wonderful buildings in fact, they'll build things much better than I can build, and I am a Christian. Um, and I would just attribute that to the fact that uh, they're borrowing from the Christian worldview, maybe not realizing it, and exercising their freedom within God's common grace. And, and yes, God causes yes. the sun to shine on both the good and the bad. He, he causes the rain to fall on the ground and water and bring forth uh, life and um it's that too. Even their actions are, in a in an indirect sense, blessed by God, um, by His graciousness in in terms of His common grace. But that doesn't um, take away the fact that there is a discontinuity uh, between what is true and what is not true. And I have a theory, and I think the only way the unbeliever can really operate and get things done in this world is by, as I would say, borrowing from the Christian worldview and um, and almost being inconsistent with the mm-hmm, worldview of mm-hmm. Satan. And so it's just, just a thought I've been thinking about. Well, there's an, there's a, there are two, if you will, creations. Uh, God created originally through his spirit, and he does strive with people and give them wisdom and judgment in what we would call the realm of common grace. Yes, yes. I have the ability to do numbers and things like right. that or – discover the things of, of uh, that God has created through science and so forth. And in that sense, probably a Christian is no better off than a non-Christian because in that realm, the wisdom that is there is imparted by the Spirit in general to the creation. Yeah. But in the new creation or the recreation, God sends his Spirit and gives a special illuminating wisdom yeah. to the believer. And uh, I do believe that being a Christian – uh, gives you greater insight through the Spirit in what true reality is. I often yeah. tell people, when I became a Christian, I, I saw things in a different way, and I think in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he shall lead us into all essential truth. I don't know yeah. that we'll be 
united on some things like baptism and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we will be able together to behold our interest in Christ as the only Lord mm. and Savior spoken of in the Scripture. Yeah. There's another aspect, and we're almost done today, but um, this is precious to all of us as Christians, and it comes from Romans chapter 8. Uh, it says, He bears witness in us that we are the children of God. That's what I'm preaching on tomorrow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a blessed thing. Uh, you know, you know, some time ago, and it's been in the news recently, the the mess that Harold Camping made of things, and um, every person to a man and woman that followed him had no assurance of their eternal salvation. All they could say is, oh, I hope I'm saved, or cry out to God, or whatever. There was not this sense of being filled with the Spirit and having a sense that, yes, the Holy Spirit has borne witness with my spirit. And I am a child of God. Yeah, that's the peace that he gives. Yeah. That we, we through Christ, are at peace with God. And it's that's true. a great comfort to us. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, praise God that um, Pentecost is true. The Holy Spirit has come. And uh, even though Jesus has ascended up to heaven, you know, I suppose there's an aspect, too. There may be some, I think there are advantages that uh, Jesus is not confined to one place on earth anymore. But now the Spirit uh, indwells us. He indwells our listeners who are our child of God. And um, he indwells um, that missionary um, any place in the world and any place believers are meeting. Well, we'll have to have another program to talk about the difference, or maybe if there is or is not, between the fullness and the baptism of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, that's true. Uh, We need to talk about... uh, uh, if you will, the, not only the gifts, but the fruit of the Spirit. That's a big so, one. This is such a rich, rich, uh, uh, if you will, vein to mine. Maybe yeah. we need another program sometime <laughs> in the future. Could be. Today we've been talking about Pentecost. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and the studio with me is Dr. John Vance. Perhaps you have a question for either of us. Our email address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Quick reminder, please join us next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Oh,